Amen. You may be seated. Let's take our Bibles together this morning and turn to three passages of Scripture. And the first one will be 2 Samuel. We're not in our series in 2 Samuel this morning, but I do want to begin in 2 Samuel. And I want to begin with the very last chapter, uh, chapter 24. Chapter 24. Give your attention to the reading of God's holy and powerful and fallible and inerrant word beginning in verse 15. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time. And there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel, who was working destruction among the people. It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aaronah, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aaronah, the Jebusites. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Aaronah looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Aaronah went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Aaronah said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord. And then Aaronah said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All of this, O king, Aaronah gives to the king. And Aaron said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Aaron, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. So David brought the threshing floor and bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. Now, if you would turn in your Bibles to the New Testament, to the great book of Romans, we turn to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and we'll be looking in Romans chapter 5 at verses 15 through 21, 15 through 21. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. And the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, 
much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And let's turn in our Bibles now back to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. Now let's read verses 38 through the first part of 41. And Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many crying, You are the Son of God. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's go to our God now in prayer. Holy Father, on a day like today, where do we begin? We begin with acknowledging our frailty. We begin by acknowledging our frailty, but your might. We begin by acknowledging our uncertainty, but we also begin with acknowledging your perfection and your control and your sovereignty. Acknowledging our fears, but also your faithfulness. We begin knowing, as we've just heard in your word, that in Jesus alone, there is life and life eternal, and that in him alone, there is salvation, the salvation of body and soul, and the salvation for this sin-cursed world. Father, this day and every day and every moment of our lives, we need this Jesus. We need the one who has said, don't be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and death. It is in him, Father, that we ask to be heard this day. Father, there are so many throughout the world as there always are, and yet we don't reflect upon it deeply enough. There are so many throughout this world who are hurting, who are struggling for breath, who are weary from long shifts in ERs and hospital wards trying to save lives. We cry out, O Lord, unto you on their behalf. We cry out for those needing care and those struggling to give it. We pray for those in 
China and Iran and Italy and Spain and the, our very own country, the United States, or wherever they may be. We pray that in the midst of all of the suffering that is taking place, that is so often taking place in the chaos of a pandemic, we pray for that healing of body and soul, that yes, bodies would be healed, but that people will be turned to the Lord Jesus Christ and be given because you're a sovereign, gracious God, a living and true faith in him. In the midst of such widespread helplessness, may, O oh Lord, hearts be turned by your sovereign spirit to our Jesus, our Savior, our King. O oh Lord, we pray for leaders across the globe in the midst of all this. May they be granted wisdom. May they be granted wisdom that is from above so that they might rule well, that they might rule wisely, that they might rule decisively and yet humbly. We pray for the grieving and for your people who are near the brokenhearted. Through your people, bring love and comfort to those who are broken. And Father, we pray for ourselves. We aren't to be those who live by the patterns and the logic of this fallen world. We ought to be those who are truly countercultural, that we should be those who are not dismayed by the uncertainty of financial markets, not dismayed when medical systems that men have put in place because you're a gracious and good God, and yet medical systems that can be overwhelmed. We will not be dismayed in the face of pestilence. We are rather to be those because of our experience of your grace and mercy and our trust in your gracious sovereign rule whose steadiness and love and calm show a fearful world that there is another way and not just a way, the way may our lives and may even our worship point a frightened world to our good and our gracious God. May we point others this day, even now, may we point others to you. Holy Father, our worship should remind us and equip us, as one pastor has said, to say no to fear and yes to faith, to say no to despair and yes to hope, to say no to market crashes and yes to life and life in abundance to say no to a, a liturgy of nihilism and death and despair, and to say yes to the cross and the resurrection, to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, O oh Heavenly Father, if we are honest this morning, whether gathered here in the Lineberger Room at Huntersville Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church or gathered in our own homes, if we are honest, we've been afraid or we've been cavalier. Sadly, the liturgies of this world have brought us comfort. And perhaps at times we've put our faith in them more than in Jesus Christ. So Father, in this very different moment, by your spirit, enable us to notice the sin in our heart, to be convicted the sins of our hearts and of our minds and of our, of our lips, of our hands and our feet. And to be convicted to the point that we confess these sins unto you 
and by your sovereign grace, turn in repentance to a life that follows after Christ and to, to believe and place our trust solely in him. And oh, Heavenly Father, to, to know that in Jesus Christ, the very one in whom we pray, that there is forgiveness of sins, both this day and all of our days. Oh, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you would now turn once again in your Bibles to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, very appropriate text for where we find ourselves as Christians in this world and particularly in this pandemic. Let's heed God's word once again. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes in day. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Transport yourself just a few days back or maybe a couple of weeks back and ask, who would us, of us would have imagined that we would be doing uh, our normal Sunday morning worship service in the Lineberger room and through a camera? That we would be here doing what we're doing and how we're doing it, and we would be here for the reasons that we are. We have this mind-spinning, disorienting uh, past few days that have been uh, our, our, our entirety of our life. We've all been asking, whether publicly or personally, how do I respond? What do I do? What's proper? What's fitting? What's underreaction, but what's also overreaction? What's underestimating? What's overestimating? Am I doing the right thing, the wrong thing? Am I going the right place or the wrong place? Am I staying put enough? Is there enough distance between me and somebody else? Do we have the six feet of, of distance that we're supposed to have between uh, ourselves and others? I want to thank our session once again, officially, 
for again, allowing me to blow up their phones for the past two or three days. As we have tried to process this and think wisely about this as to what we should do as a congregation. Because what we've been doing over the past two or three days is trying to answer these very same questions that you're trying to answer on a personal level. Among the many things that we could say, what I want to say is what God says. What I want to say is what God says for me to say. I want to respond in the way that God would have me respond. And I, and I think we have that sort of word from the Lord in Psalm 91. Among the most important things. Psalm 91, while not giving us an exact prescription of every single step that we need to take both today and the coming weeks, it does give us the greatest steps. It does give us the greatest responses when we face calamity, when we face potential calamity of any sort. Just glance down uh, as you see those verses before you. Glance down to verse 3 and following. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. There are those who are oftentimes uh, devising ways in which to trick people, to ensnare people, to capture people, to hurt people. There are those sort of physical, sinful responses of others that we face. But he goes on, he says, for he will deliver you from the snare, the fowler, and from the deadly pestilence, like coronavirus, or is it COVID-19? I can't remember what the distinction is. Deadly pestilence. And then, then he, and he goes, goes on, notice down in verse 5, you will not fear the terror at night. We think about the tornadoes that hit Nashville just a few days ago. And they hit at night and how devastating such tornadoes are. Nor the arrow that flies by day, and an arrow has to be fired by somebody, right? The attacks of, of, of others. Nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes that noonday. Psalm 91 doesn't give us an exact prescription again of the, all the actual steps we need to take, but it does give us the most important steps when we face calamity and when we face perils of any sort. In the face of COVID-19, what do we do? Psalm 91 tells, I think, at least four things four things that we should do. First of all, we should have faith. Secondly, we should proclaim that faith, confess that faith. Third, we should share that faith. And then lastly, we should wait in faith upon the God who delivers his people and who will ultimately deliver all of his people from every pestilence, from every peril, from every sin and danger and wickedness in the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the great resurrection of the dead. We must have faith, we must proclaim faith, we must share our faith, and we must wait in faith upon our God. First of all, have faith. You see it in the text? Notice verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. What does the psalmist say in these two verses? Or better, what does he reveal in these two verses? He reveals that he has what? Faith. He reveals that he has faith in the God of Holy Scripture. He speaks experimentally, experimentally, no, experientially, of dwelling in the presence of God. 
of dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. And I like the way the King James used to put it. And, and dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. For an Old Testament saint, what was that secret place? What was the secret place of the Most High where you would abide in the shadow of the Almighty? For that Old Testament saint, that place would be the very Holy of Holies in the tabernacle or later in the temple. That place where Yahweh symbolically dwelt with his people in glory. Where we saw as last week where his footstool or his throne was. And yet, as we talked about last week, you just don't saunter into that secret place. You just don't barge in into that Holy of Holies whenever you want to in whatever way you want to. No, you, you come in as you are in union or as you are represented by that high priest. And that high priest going but once a year into that Holy of Holies and going into that secret place of the Most High through what? Blood. The blood of the sacrifice, the sacrifice for the sins of God's people. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In poetic form, the psalmist is saying, and he's revealing a living, blood-bought faith in the Lord, and in the Lord, ultimately, Jesus Christ. Is that what you have? Is that what I have? Is that what we have this morning? Nothing matters like this. Nothing matters. All our safety protocols, as important as they may be, nothing matters in comparison to this. Is this our faith? Is this your faith? Has the way been made for you through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ into the secret place of the Almighty, into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God? Are you able to come boldly to the throne of grace? Are we as a congregation able to come boldly to that throne as beloved children? We are if we have a vital faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do, what next should you do? If you've got such a vital faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what should you do with your faith? If you have faith, you should then what? Proclaim it. Confess it. And that's what we see again in verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust from the place of refreshment being in the shadow of the almighty you got to think as a, a middle easterner might think as he is out in a place where there's intense sunlight and you and you long for a bit of shade i remember being once in on, on masada there uh, above the dead sea and the sun being so intense and we had a, a study group there and and we had the teacher talking and talking, and everybody's just burning up, sweltering, and you're looking for just one inch of shade to get in. The psalmist is in that shade. He is in that shadow of the Almighty, and from that place of refreshment and protection, he proclaims a glorious faith. Hey, and really what we have in verses 1 and 2 is a creed. What does he say? What does he proclaim? What does he proclaim about the God that he loved? He, first of all, proclaims that he's what? Do you see it? 
He's most high, most high, right? He who dwells in the shelter of the most high, as Derek Kidner says, most high is that title that cuts every threat down to size, most high. And that includes the threat of a coronavirus. God is the infinite God. God is the transcendent God. He is the omniscient God. There's nothing above him, and there's nothing that goes on that he doesn't know, that he doesn't see. Do we believe that? Do, believe, do we believe he is transcendent? Do we believe he knows all? Do we believe he's most high? He who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Not only is God transcendent, not only is he above everything, not only does he know everything, he's also what? He's all-powerful. He's El Shaddai. He is the omnipotent God. He is a God that controls all things and has power and sovereignty over all things, including a pestilence such as a coronavirus. Yes, coronavirus or COVID-19, you're a powerful enemy. And let us not underestimate the power of such an enemy. And yet, let us never underestimate the power of our sovereign God. Do you believe this, dear one? The psalmist's creed is that his God is above all. His God is all-powerful, but he continues, does he not? What else does he say about the God that he loves and the God that he serves? The creed continues. The psalmist says that God is the Lord, right? I, he will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord. Well, notice if you're looking at your, uh, your bulletin, as it were, this morning, uh, the danger of autocorrect. The danger of autocorrect. Do you, know, do you see how Lord is printed in your bulletin? Is capital L and what? Little O, little R, little D. Well, it's not that. It's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which tells us what? This is the name of God, his covenant name. This is, this is Yahweh. This is the name that he gives, that he reveals of himself to Moses before the burning bush. And it means what? I am that I am. The psalmist is declaring that his God is over all things. His God is all powerful, but his God is also the covenant Lord. One who doesn't need anything. Doesn't need you, doesn't need me. He has the fancy term as aseity. And he's also the God who's, uh, he's, he's eternal. He's not bound by time. He, he that I am. And he's also a covenant Lord, one who enters into covenant with sinners like the psalmist, sinners like ourselves, with the likes of you and me. Is this our creed? Is this our God? The psalmist proclaims this to be his God. Did you notice that? I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. It's a glorious creed. Question is, is it our creed? The psalmist has this faith by God's grace. The psalmist proclaims this faith by God's grace. Do we have it and do we proclaim it? 
do we confess it? Do we confess it to one another publicly in worship? Or next, notice, do we share it with others? It, it, notice pronouns. From verses 1 and 2 to verse 3, the pronouns change, do they not? We go from I and my in verses 1 and 2 to what? In verses 3 down through verse 13. To you. So now the psalmist who has made his confession of faith before the Lord, has expressed that faith, now is going to share that faith with others who are facing what? Calamity. Pestilence. The snare of the fowler. The terror of night. The arrow that flies by day. The pestilence that stalks in darkness. The destruction that wastes at noonday. What's the psalmist doing? He's putting his creed into practice. It's not, it's not sufficient just to have a faith. It's not sufficient to, to just publicly profess it, say, in a worship service, to confess it. What's needed is for us to put it into practice. He's proclaiming it. He's applying that creed. He's applying that faith to others. He's sharing. He's encouraging. He's blessing. He's witnessing. He's directing. He is helping in the greatest of all ways. He's helping others, others who are facing calamities, true calamities of all sorts. I want to end here, and we'll, Lord willing, pick back up with Psalm 91 next week. But I want to end here. Brothers and sisters, this is an amazing moment that is before us. A moment like I've never seen, like I've never experienced. A moment before us right now where we can proclaim, proclaim the greatness of our God to a Caden, teaching our little ones, teaching it and sharing our faith and our, our trust and this great and glorious God to our brothers and sisters who are gathered in this room, our brothers and sisters who are in their homes right now, whom we love dearly. We, we've got this wonderful moment to con, con, convey our faith in the same sovereign and gracious and good God to one another. But we also have this amazing moment to witness before a watching world that's, that's at a standstill. No sports right now, right? At least in the United States. No, no major sports and people don't have, know what to do with, with the time and not gathering for this or gathering for that. We have this amazing moment in, in, in this opportunity to point to our great and our glorious and our sovereign and our marvelous and our most high and our almighty covenant Lord who loves his people dearly and says, place trust in him. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you'll find refuge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the moment is before us to live lives of faithfulness, to live lives, our lives in such a way that we, we don't succumb to the, the, the fear mongers nor do we succumb to those who act as if there's nothing to worry about, but that we face the uncertainties of this life with the certain message about who you are. 
We have experienced who you are in our own lives. We've experienced your reach, your rich and your sovereign, wonderful grace. Help us now to live like it. To live as those who know that their God is sovereign. To live as those who know that we have our sure and steadfast anchor in Jesus Christ and the Holy of Holies. And that we can find ourselves in the shadow of the Almighty, in the secret place of the Most High. And that we can rest no matter what comes, no matter what happens to us, no matter even if we, if we contract the, the virus and should have terrible symptoms. We ultimately know in whom our salvation resides. Our salvation is of the Lord. And that salvation is perfect and will one day be complete. And until that day, help each and every one of us, all the members of Huntersville Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church and all of, all of our friends to live lives of diligent, loving, humble faithfulness. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.